like to attempt at least to talk to you about the sovereignty of God. Volumes, volumes of things have been written. I'm very blessed to have a couple of boxes full of books in the back of my car right now that testify of the sovereignty of God. I'm thankful for those men who have gone before and written these things and left them for us to learn by, to give us understanding. Uh, I've given you all several different definitions while I've been here. I like to understand the words that I read and the words that I speak. Uh, the more understanding that we have, the more we learn, the better off we are. And the wisdom that comes from God to use that learning is a great thing. The Oxford Dictionary, again, I know I use that a lot, but they're supposed to be the foremost authority on the English language. Why shouldn't I use it? Learn from it. They define, again, back in the, in the time of what uh, this 1611 Bible was translated for us. In that time, they defined the word sovereign as one who has supremacy or rank above or authority over others, frequently applied to the deity with relation to created things. They define sovereignty as supremacy or preeminence in respect of excellence or efficacy. Efficacy being power to effect the object intended. There's not any supremacy, there's not any sovereignty in something that cannot effect that which it intends to effect, is there? In Colossians chapter 1, read from verses 12, in, beginning in verse 12 through 19. Giving thanks unto the Father, I hope it doesn't make any difference, the little foam thing just fell off the microphone, but... It, it's right here. Y'all can get it back afterwards. <laughs> uh, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He has made us to be. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Uh, that word meet means to qualify, and even to make able, because we were not able. 
who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for in him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased God, it pleased the Father, that in him should all fullness dwell. Jesus Christ is the, he is God. (laughs) He is the Father. He is the Son. He is the Father. He is the Holy Spirit. And, And you can turn that around any way you want to. The Spirit is the Father and the Son. The Father is the Spirit and the Son. He's one God. He comes to us in three persons, but he is one sovereign God. And he has power to effect. That's what, you know, when I read the word effectual in the scripture, I love that. We read that this morning. He is effectual. He, he does what he wants to. Uh, I think it was Brother Leroy quoted to us this morning out of the book of Daniel uh, about God's, uh, about uh, Nebuchadnezzar's testimony about God that he works his will among the arm, in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? That's sovereign. That's sovereign. This morning we went to the 40th chapter of the book of Isaiah. I'd like to go back there this afternoon and read a few verses there. Read first of all verses 18 through 22. Isaiah, what God says, God said, Isaiah's wrote this down, but this is God speaking. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? The workman melteth a graven image, and the goldsmith spreadeth it over with gold, and casteth silver chains. He that is so impoverished that he hath no oblation chooseth a tree that will not rot. He seeketh unto him a cunning workman to prepare a graven image that shall not be removed. So this is what men do. They they make they try to make God. You know the, the old saying that uh, in the beginning God created man, and uh, man's been trying to return the favor ever since. You know, man wants to be God. That messed Adam up in the garden. It messed the devil up, and he 
Fooled Eve with it. And you can do whatever you want to. You know, people with money, they, they would have gods made out of gold or silver. And a man that didn't have a lot of money, he'd take and he'd chop down a tree. But he'd make it a good, he'd chop down a good, probably a bodark or something like that. that you know, uh, at least a good cedar tree that take a long time to rot. That's what Isaiah says. The impoverished, he chooses, uh, chooses the tree that, that will not rot. He seeketh unto him a cunning workman to prepare and gra- a graven image that it sh- shall not be moved. <laughs> yeah, but they can't do it. You know, those old Philistines, they, uh, they really thought they'd done something when they stole the ark from the Israelites. They took it down there and put it next to Dagon, and what happened? They found Dagon laying on the ground, didn't they? They didn't think Dagon could be moved, but he was greatly moved. <laughs> uh, verse 21, he says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. God just spoke. And all of this came into existence. Don't you, don't you just love reading the first chapter of Genesis and, and understanding that, you know, what, right off the bat, what God, God said, let there be light. But four days later, he created the, he, the heaven, uh, the stars and the moon and the sun. You know, he didn't need light from them, but he put light in them. And that light's still burning today. Because it's his light, the, that little. He stretched out the heavens and placed them there. Verse 25. He says, To whom then will you liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things, that bringeth out their host by number, he calleth them all by names, by the greatest of his might, <clears throat> greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. You know, we, we, we see, uh, meteors and things, you know, flying through the sky and, and of course we call them fallen stars. You know, the, the stars don't fall. They don't fail. The sun has been burning for over 6,000 years. Of course, some people think it's been burning for billions of years. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something. If God wants it to burn for billions of years, it will. But I don't think it has that intention. But it's burned for 6,000 years, and it's going to burn until he says, go out. His power, his sovereignty, has never failed. He is the Almighty. You know, the, the, Almighty, the word Almighty appears 48 times in the Old Testament. 
33 times in the book of Job alone. In the, um, the Hebrew word there for almighty, nine, uh, the, the Hebrew word means almighty. Almighty. You know? Almighty. Every bit of it. In the New Testament, nine times the word almighty is used. From the, from the, uh, uh, Greek word, I'm probably not pr- pronouncing this right, but the Greek word is pantocrator. Pantocrator. P- uh, English spelling of it, P-A-N-T-O-K-R-A-T-O-R. Pantocrator. And it means all ruling. Unlimited power as absolute and universal sovereign. Yeah. In, uh, it's actually, that, that word pantocrator is actually used ten times, ten times in the New Testament. Nine times it, it's, it's translated almighty. One time it's translated Revelations 9, 19 and 6 as Omnipotent. Same word. John said in Revelation 19.6, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah! For the Lord God omnipotent Reigneth. Second Corinthians chapter six, beginning in verse seventeen, says, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate. And the, the Apostle Paul is giving us a commandment there. Through his apostolic authority, he speaks commandments to us. You know, uh, I told Brother Ray uh, on the way up here that, uh, you know, there was, uh, there was a fellow tried to tell me one time that there was, the Bible never had anything to say about our, the necessity of church attendance. I said, what? <laughs> I said, there's a commandment. Hebrews 10.25. The apostles Paul, by the authority of God, said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, we not only have a responsibility to be here in the house of God, we have a responsibility to encourage our brothers and sisters to meet more often. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. 
God in his almighty power has spoken to us and said to us to come out, come out, uh, out from among them. Who's them? The world. The world around us. Come out from those who make their God to be something else. Come out from them and be separate from them. When, you know, the, the, the word peculiar is used to identify us in the scriptures. Two different Greek words that are both, each of them are translated into the English word peculiar, but, uh, one of those times that it's used, and we're told that we are a peculiar people, that doesn't mean weird. That word peculiar means beyond usual. People should look at us and say, there's something different about them. They don't act like everybody else. They're peculiar. <laughs> Beyond usual. If, if you will, above usual. Not that we think we're better than anybody else. We're not supposed to. But we're to act above what usual human nature leads people to do. Because we have something else leading us, guiding us, helping us, strengthening us, that is the power of an almighty God. Revelation chapter 11, verse 17. Uh, saying, we give thee thanks, O Lord God almighty, which art and wast and art to come because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. He is almighty in power. There is, there is no power that is not within his grasp that, that he doesn't, that he, he doesn't, he is not lacking in power in any way, shape or form. Revelation chapter 15, verse 3. He says, And they sung, a new, they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. Excuse me. I, I said 15.3 and I read 14.3. Y'all forgive me. I'm fallible. Now let's go to 15.3. Uh, and they sung, and they sung the song of Moses, the servant of God, and they, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. He is mighty in all his works. All his works. You know, and I love that too. You know, just while, while we're here, just a side note, you know, uh, is it, the, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Go back to 15th chapter of the book of Exodus. Children of Israel were delivered through the Red Sea. 
dry shod, mind you, through the Red Sea. Got to the other side, and Moses and the Moses sang a song over there. Go back to that. I just love the language of the Bible. Fifteenth chapter Exodus. You read over there, and it describes that water. God divided the water. Do you notice how Moses recorded? that that water was, he said it was congealed. Y'all know what jello is? It's congealed. <laughs> that, that water was like jello on both sides. It, it just sitting up there. It may have been wiggling a little bit, but it was holding fast because <laughs> it was held by his mighty works. And they came across through the sea and they sang the song of Moses. Moses what? And the Lamb. You go back to Exodus 15 and read that song. It's not praising Moses. It's praising the Lamb. Praising the same Lamb that you and I praise here today. The deliverance by the Lamb. Revelation 16, verse 7. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. All of God's judgments are righteous. They are right. You know, what... what you ever look up the word righteous? You know what it means? It means right. <laughs> There's no wrong in it. <laughs> Romans. Uh, Romans chapter 9. Beginning in verse 13. As it is written, Jacob have I loved. But Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Not according to what John just said, is there? Uh, Paul didn't agree with that either. God forbid. God has forbid that there be any righteousness in him. He is omnipotent. He is all-knowing. He is, as we read this morning, God that cannot lie. For he saith unto Moses, he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then, it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, the scripture, what Bible did, did Pharaoh read? He didn't have one, did he? No. The scripture spoke to him. The word of God spoke to him and said, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up that I might show my power, 
my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore he hath mercy on whom he will have mercy, and on whom and whom he will he hardeneth. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Um When you when you're talking you can't when you're talking about God, you can't make God too big. And you also can't make man too small. In Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, it says, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Had some wise men. Of course, Solomon probably... I believe was the wisest man that ever lived because God gave him wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. It's doubtful that there was a stronger, mightier man than Samson was, but he was only mighty and only strong when God put his strength in him. Didn't have anything to do with the length of his hair but it had a lot to do with him giving glory and honor to God. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. You can buy a lot of things with money, but there's a whole lot you can't buy with it. You can't buy love you sure can't buy the love of God. It's freely given to you or it's not at all. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. Now there's something to glory in. That's something to rejoice in. I, I glory in the fact that I know the one true and living God. I not only know him, I know him because he has known me and made me his. Let him that glory, glory, but let him that glory glory in this. Here's, here's something you can glory in. That he understandeth and knoweth me that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, saith the Lord. It makes the Lord happy, evidently, to bestow these things and to see these things in his people. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, you know, we read over there, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And when God looks at us through the blood of Jesus Christ, he's seeing those holy children. And without Christ, he can't see that. You know, you, you know, the scriptures tell us that God can't look on sin. 
So when you're sinning, God can't look on that except for the blood of Christ. And But by the blood of Christ, he never takes his eyes off of us. In uh, John chapter 6, Let's just get let's let's just get three verses there, I think. John chapter six. Read verse thirty seven. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Verse forty four. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 65. And he said, Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me, except it were given unto him by my Father. No man can, can come unto him except our Father, which is in heaven, Draw him, and he has to do the that drawing. Yeah. Some of y'all may be old enough to have ever had a windlass and pull a bucket of water up out of a well. How many of you ever got that bucket to come up on its own? Won't do it, will it? That word draw, when Jesus says, no man can come unto me except my Father which has sent me, draw him. He's talking about just like that bucket in the well. In, in fact, it it, it it means literally drag. Drag it up. That's the only way a man can come to God. He's got to be drug up. But thank God we've been drug up. We've been lifted up. In uh, Let's get one, one more, one more verse and I'll close. But, you know, I haven't, I haven't scratched the surface on the subject of the sovereignty of God either today or all the days of my life. And I never will. Not in this life. He is that great. That me and all of those writers that have written about him, not one of us has touched the essence, the true essence of the sovereignty of that God. But I love what uh, what the Apostle John said, 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven. Three that bear record. That that word record is the same. John uses the word record and witness here in this chapter. They're, they're, they're both the same thing. The, the record, the witness. You know, you go into a courtroom and you witness something, you're bearing record to what you saw. John is bearing record to what he has witnessed in his life, in his experience. And he's, he was on that mount with Peter and James when the Lord took him up there and he saw as the Lord spoke with Elijah and with Moses 
I couldn't comprehend that. But there, not only did they see that, they saw Him in His glory. Hallelujah. And John says, there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. My God is sovereign in salvation. The Father elected without human aid or intervention. Jesus redeemed without human aid or intervention. The Holy Spirit regenerates without human aid or intervention. And He has redeemed us and saved us by His love through His blood. May God bless you. Praise the Lord. A little clip is up too high. There we go.